You're listening to Life with Impact. Join us as we continue to rediscover the heart of Jesus together. I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said together, amen. Can we celebrate that today? Let's grab it. Go ahead and grab a seat. I want to look at today at our first of four installments from the characters in the Bible, I want to see if I can offer some hope today that the God who moved in the life of Jacob is still available to you today. This has been a, a man, this week, even prepping this has been challenging because I, I feel like I know what God wants to say, but it hasn't really come together that well, that well in three points in a poem. So I'm just going to open up God's word today and see if maybe we can learn something together. I've enjoyed my time alone with God, and I hope, I hope that you came prepared to receive something today. The, the, the line of the song that we're going to look into today is the first verse. I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. That's where we're starting today. Is, is God, if you kept your promises to Jacob, what does that mean for me? And I, I've already said, I believe it means that you, God's going to keep his promises to you. And I, I got good news today. In spite of your faithfulness to God, God still keeps his promises to you and I today. I, I want to start near the end of where I want to end up. And then we'll go back to the beginning and we'll work our way back to where we started from. I know that sounded really confusing. Just follow with me. Genesis chapter 32. If you've got, got your Bible, you can open it up to Genesis chapter 32. I'm going to start in verse 22, the very first book of the Bible. Looking at, at Jacob wrestling with God. I, I want to see if we can get to know Jacob. The main character this morning is not Jacob. The main character in the story is God today. But I, I do want to see if we can learn some things about how Jacob interacted with God and, and what God did in the life of Jacob. In verse 22 it says, During the night Jacob got up and he took his two wives. I'm going to let Anthony cover that in another sermon later on. I won't get into that. And then he took his two servant wives. We'll have Deb cover, cover that later on. I'm just going to keep reading. And then his 11 sons, and they crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. Verse 24 says, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. Karen, you, you can leave that up. I want to get real squirrelish and kind of like go back to my text and then share with you. The, verse 24 says, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. I could preach a message this morning on the importance of getting alone with God. I, I could preach a message to you, maybe if you came in here today and, and you just feel like, I, it's just been a while since I heard from God. Man, it's been a while since I really felt like I had direction for my life. I could preach a message to you today about how long has it been since you unplugged from, from not only technology, but also like get away, getting away from the other voices and influences in your life so that you could engage with a God that wants to meet you in the middle of what you're going through. I could preach a message to you today about maybe he's not silent, maybe you're just not listening. But I won't preach that message today. In verse 24, it ends with, A man came and he wrestled with him until dawn began to break. I want to introduce now this man to you. This man is a version of God himself. 
Back in the Old Testament, before Jesus, God would choose to engage with his people in one-on-one ways. With Moses, it was a burning bush. And with the people of Israel, it was a pillar of fire. We, we looked at that. A pillar of cloud. Sometimes it was in a still, small voice. And now he's meeting with Jacob, a man. He comes up in the form of a man. And we're going to see here that, that God laid down the authority of heaven. I believe most theologians agree that this is kind of a pre-incarnate version of Jesus. Meaning that what God was for Jacob in this passage, Jesus is for us. Jesus came and, and though he had the authority of God, he chose to lay that authority down so he could be like us. Which is crazy that God, remember Emmanuel, which just means God is with us. That was Jesus. He came to be God with us and he laid down the authority of heaven, the strength of the armies of angels that were at his beck and call. He laid those things down. Hebrews says he did that. So that we could have a high priest, we could have a God that didn't, wasn't dis- disconnected. He knows what it's like to be human. God chose to be here with us so he knows what it's like to be weak and to be human, to be, to be tempted. Yet he did it without sin. And, and this is God showing up similar to that. In verse 25, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and he wrenched it out of socket. I could preach a message today that says not that that he could not win the match. It's that he would not win the match. I could preach a message to you today that reminds you that your battle might actually be something that God is trying to do in the middle of what you're going through. But actually the battle has purpose. And then we're going to see here that Jacob just refused to let go. Though the battle waged all night long. I could remind you. I could preach a message that reminds you that though it may be weeping in the night, the joy comes in the morning. In fact, let me read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It popped in my head during the message last service. And I read it. I just want to read it to you again. It's the message within the message. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 8. Maybe this is for someone today. We are pressed on every side by our troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, through a battle, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that our life may also be seen in our bodies. Sometimes the battles that we go through leave us with scars. And we see that Jacob now had a scar from, from his battle with God. It says here that, the, the, that God touched his hip and it, it took it out of socket. And so now Jacob had a limp for the remainder of the battle. I used to think that Jacob was like a 20-something-year-old strapping young man. He definitely had a six-pack, or probably eight-pack. He, he did CrossFit. He was really tough. That's how I always envisioned it. And I learned this from, from a flannel graph in Sunday school. But I found out this weekend that Jacob was actually 90. You're over 90 years old. So I got to thinking, like, God, that's a low blow touching his hip. Like, there's people in here that are in their 60s on hip number two from normal wear and tear. And so you touch this, this guy's hip and you, you turn the battle. I, I, I like to think that maybe sometimes God gives us some things that cause us, cause us to limp just to remember where our strength actually comes from. You remember Paul when he said, I don't, this thorn in the flesh. God, I, I got this limp in my life. Will you take it from me? He says it again, God, I got this limp in my life. Will you take it from me? Paul says it a third time. Will you, I just don't want this. He called it a thorn in the flesh. Will you take this from me? And God said, no, I gave it to you so that you'll remember what we learned together in the battle. But that's not the message I came to preach today either. Then, then the man said, the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said this, I will not go unless you bless me. 
What is your name? The man asked. I find that interesting. They've been fighting together all night. They could have at least introduced themselves, but they didn't up until this point. So Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. But what is your man? What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. You got to remember that. He replied, Jacob. And then God responds and says, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him, from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and you have won. The title for my message today is called, What's in a Name? What's in a Name? That's the very first thing in the middle, right before the battle ended, before the blessing ensued, God wanted to know from Jacob, what's your name? And so I titled this message, What's in a Name? Drawn from the Romeo and Juliet script where Romeo says, what's in a name? A rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. And so what Romeo is nodding to, which is what I want to draw from today, is it's not so much that it's called a rose. It's more so about what is it that makes it a rose. And in the same way, I'm not asking, what's your name today? I'm asking maybe more appropriately, who are you? Who are you? And and before we get much further into it today, I'm I'm asking that you really lean into being honest. I'm not going to pass out any cards. No one's going to ask for you to reveal your answers today. But I hope before we go much further, you could be honest in answering the question, who are you? And I don't want you to answer who do you wish you were or who do you want to be? Because listen, there is a version of Dustin Burke that's the the Dustin Burke I want to be, the Dustin Burke I hope to be, the Dustin Burke that I wish I was. And, And I'm not asking for you to answer that today. Maybe someday you'll become that. I'm asking for you to answer who are you today? Because the Dustin Burke I want to be, he's awesome. You would love him. He's so much cooler than this Dustin Burke. In fact, he, he's, he's funnier than my wife even. Because I like to say I'm funnier than my wife, but I know that she's way funnier than me. But the Dustin Burke I want to be is so much funnier than my wife. The Dustin Burke I want to be I, I really doesn't lose my footing when, it, when things in life happen. The Dustin Burke that I want to be doesn't let my emotions get wrapped up in my circumstances because I have a confidence in God and I can just trust that God has a plan in the midst of everything. Oh, but this Dustin Burke, I get anxiety. This Dustin Burke, I get discouraged because of my circumstances. But the Dustin Burke I want to be, he never does. He's just full of hope in God and, and he has confident faith. So today I'm talking to the Dustin Burke I I am. I'm asking for you to talk to the you that you are, not the you that you want to be. We're going to look and learn a lot from the life of Jacob today. So let's go back. I said we start at the end and go back to the beginning. So let's, let's find out where we first meet Joseph or Jacob. We first meet Jacob in Genesis chapter 25. And then this is uh, the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. Verse 20 says, when Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of the Bethuel, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padanaram, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Verse 21, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. And the Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. Be careful what you pray for, family. You might just, you might just get it. So they got what they wanted for. But then verse 22, we see that that what we read in in verse 32 of of, of chapter 32 of Genesis, that wasn't the first time that Jacob was a wrestler. Jacob had been wrestling since before he could make the conscious decision to be a wrestler. He was a natural born wrestler. He was wrestling from day one in the womb. We see that here in verse 22. But the two children struggled with, with each other in her womb. So 
So Rebecca went to ask the Lord about it. And she said, why is this happening to me? She asked. Well, number one, because you prayed for it. So again, I'll say, be careful what you pray for. But I think this is going to be my 2023 Mother's Day message. And I'm going to call it, why is this happening to me? Because every mom in the room has at one point in time said, why is this happening to me? And so, so God puts the, the cosmic ultrasound on Rebecca's tummy, like the, the jail thing. And here's his answer. For the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. If you happen to bring your Bible, which I always encourage you to do, this should be a thing I want you to, to underline. And, and I'll explain it more a little bit later. Your older son will serve your younger son. That which is second will be first. This would have confused Rebecca. Because Rebecca, that's not, this is not the economy of, where, of, of anything that she knows. There's an older son and a younger son. And the older son gets two things. A birthright and a blessing. And that affords that older kid so much in the family. And, and God told Rebecca, I'm going to flip that on its head. And your younger son will be the ruler. And your older son will serve the younger son. So Rebecca was probably confused. Continuing to read in verse 24, when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and he was covered with thick hair like a fur coat. Sounds like an ugly baby. I'm not going to lie to you, man. Like just trying to be honest here. I'm sorry, man. My, my kid, well, my, well, let me tell you, so they named him Esau. Let me, let me tell you, when they named kids, it was like... Like, like, it's the way they named anything. Like, if you were in the Bible times and you came across the river and there was a brown squirrel by the river, you'd be like, we're going to call this river, River Brown Squirrel. And that's just how, so you, whatever, you, whatever reminded you of wh what it was when you first met it, that's what you labeled that person or that place. And, and so Esau comes out and they're like, this dude is wildly hairy. And so they said, we're going to name him Esau, which actually just sounds like a Hebrew word, which means very hairy. This, this dude was named, if we were naming, baby, if we were naming, Tyler, oh, when he first came out, it would be like huge head. He'd be, his name would be like, head don't fit the body. So the rest of his life would be like, hey, head that don't fit the body, can you take out the trash? You know, that's, a, that's how it would be. If, well, well, but my baby girl, he was here last service. I didn't tell that in last service. But my baby girl's here. Maddie's here. And if Maddie, when she came out, it was like most wondrous princess, like daddy's, daddy's girl, perfect and flawless in every way. That's what her But it would be a mouthful. So we just called her Madison. But but. So, but whatever you looked like is what you came out being named. So Esau was Harry. So they named him Harry. Then, then the other twin was born with his hand grasping at Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. I can't make this stuff up. Do you know what Jacob means? Heel grabber. Heel grabber. I'm not kidding you. Jacob means heel grabber. So let, let me explain to you why this is important. That they named him Jacob, which means heel grabber. He walked, he, he was known by the name heel grabber his entire life. Because he comes out going, those five seconds that you beat me mean a lot to me. Those five seconds are the difference between me having a birthright and a blessing. And he's reaching for that thing that he doesn't have because he wishes that he had it. But to be honest with you, we all could be called heel grabbers because we're all wired for that me first kind of living, right? I heard a preacher say one time that it's really hard to live a God first life in such a me first. When, when me first is all around us. You don't got to teach a kid to say mine or no. They're really good at that. But you do have to teach a kid to say please and thank you and yes ma'am 
And yes, sir, so Jacob comes out and the very first thing he is doing is clawing for something that wasn't his. Another name for Jacob is supplanter or, or one that usurps authority, literally meaning one that reaches around authority to get something that isn't theirs. This is the Jacob that we meet. The Jacob that we see later on will be wrestling with God. But in between getting back to the wrestle with God, I want to tell you a little bit about Jacob that actually seals that identity for him. The passages exactly after this is where we see a little bit more about Esau and Jacob. Esau was an outdoorsman, loved to hunt. He was his dad's favorite because he'd go out and he would be hunting and then he'd come with wild game and he'd make something delicious and then he'd take it to his dad. And so his dad and, and Esau, so Isaac and Esau, they were, they were like, they were buds. It was, he was daddy's boy. And then Jacob, Esau's the hairy one too. You have to keep that in mind. And Jacob's smooth skin. Good looking dude, probably. He's a mama's boy. In fact, you read it, it says that he stayed among the tents, which just meant he didn't get out much. He, he's watching Lifetime specials with mama on, on the couch, and, and he loved to bake with mom. And so there was very much so a house divided. You will see just how much the house was divided here in a little bit. But the next passage, we see Jacob does something. He swindles Esau out of his birthright. I, I wish I could unpack it, but I don't want to take the time to unpack it. But Sort of the Reader's Digest version of it is Esau comes in from hunting and he's starving. And he says to his brothers making some food in the kitchen and Esau says, can I get some of that? And this is the deal that Jacob makes with his brother. Remember, he's, he's grabbing at heels. He's doing this me first kind of living. And, and this is what Jacob said, I'll give you some of this. Doesn't it smell good? It smells delicious. He says, I'll give you some, but you got to swear to me your birthright. I'll trade you what I'm making in the kitchen for your birthright. And Esau's like, well, that's a bad trade. And, and Jacob must have been a heck of a cook because Esau ended up taking him up on it. And in fact... I like this in, in verse 20, 34 of chapter 25. It won't be on the screen, but it says, Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew, and Esau ate the meal, and then he got up. And when Esau left, it says here, this showed the contempt that he had for his rights as firstborn. We see the first glimpse of what God said to Rebekah coming true in the life of Jacob and Esau. I could preach a message to you this morning about how that Jacob... He had no idea. He didn't hear about what God told Rebekah, that there'd be an exchange of rights. He, Jacob didn't know that. And we see that being set into motion by Jacob being a swindler. Can I just, I, it's not my message, but it's my message within a message within a message. Can I, can I just remind you that this could blow your theology, but God, he, he doesn't want for you and I to act like swindlers and cheaters and liars and, and greedy people. But did you know that he is so good that he sets in motion a plan that even includes those things? That Jacob's being a swindler, but God knows that he's got plans for Jacob. And so he includes Jacob swindling into the storyline of Jacob being at his best. Today, you might be in here a, a swindler, a liar, a cheat. You're greedy, an addict, whatever. You, you insert anything. And God not only knew that, he planned for that. And he's prepared a way in the midst of that. That's good news. But that's not my message today. Let's, let's keep reading. And, and the next time we see Jacob, he's doing, maybe you heard of the, the passage where Jacob steals not only the birthright, but now the blessing. 
Maybe you're familiar with this. So the birthright, Jacob swindles Esau out of the birthright. The birthright means that like all the stuff that you have, the stuff that you'd have as the firstborn, now Jacob gets those. But Esau was probably thinking, I like outdoors. I can live off the land. I don't want the headache of all the cattle and the grain and the, the livestock and the wine. Maybe Esau's like, I don't want that headache. Maybe that's why he was willing to give up his birthright. But Esau couldn't wait to get the blessing. Because see, he, Esau and his dad were really close. And what the blessing meant was one of these days, Isaac was going to come. He's going to be really old. And Isaac was going to say to Esau, son, I transfer my authority as dad. All, the spiritual authority that I have, I give to you. And that was something Esau just re really wanted. Probably because of the relationship that he had with his dad. You might know the story, but, but the, a house divided is demonstrated and personified here when Rebecca, mom, and Jacob devise a plan to steal the blessing. He already got the birthright, so mom and, 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 and little brother are like, well, let's just see if we can't holler at that blessing too. And so they, basically dad, Isaac's really old, and he's, he's about blind, and he's about to die. And Isaac calls Esau in, and he says, Esau, I'm ready to bless you. Esau's stoked. And so he, Isaac says, can you go just hunt for me one more time? Go catch some game, make me a meal, and come in, let's eat together, and then I want to bless you. So Esau goes out to do that, and, and Jacob and Rebekah have a sideline conversation, and they devise a plan to, to pretend to be Esau. And so mom said, I'm going to make something that is like your dad's favorite meal that Esau makes, and, and I'm going to make it exactly the way Esau does, and you bring it into your dad, and you pretend to be him. He's blind. He can't see you anyway, so then he'll give you the blessing thinking that you're Esau. And Jacob's smart. He's, a, he's on to this. He's finding the pitfalls in this plan. And, and so Jacob says to his mom, but my mom's smooth-skinned, and Esau's hairy. Don't you remember? You named him Harry. You named him very hairy. And so they say, Mom, this is how hairy that Esau must have been. So Mom says, okay, go get, it, go get the goats. We're going to skin the goats. We're going to put goats on the back of your neck. That is a hairy dude. Like, just seriously. Like, and if you got a really hairy neck, I don't mean to disrespect by that, but that's just, that's a really hairy. And then he says, and then Mom says, we also got to cover up your hands. So they get goat skin gloves now so that when Dad touches Jacob's hand, he'll, he's, he, Esau's got hands like a goat. That's just like, I, I, can't, get, I can't get over that. So ultimately, then, then Mom says, I'm even going to get Esau favorite clothes that are going to smell like him and they're going to smell like the outdoors and so now it's time to see if the plan works. Esau's out in the fields and they preemptively strike before Esau gets back. I'll read it to you real quick. It won't be on the screens but this is the story now that you know the stage has been set. So, so Jacob took the bread to his father. My father, he said, yes, my son, Isaac answered, who are you? What's your name? Esau or Jacob? And Jacob replied, I'm Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so that you can give me your blessing. And Isaac asked, how did you find it so quickly, my son? Listen to Jacob's response. So how did you find this? How did you hunt this down and prepare it so quickly? And, and Jacob says, the Lord your God put it in my path. Like blaming it on God. Anybody ever been so far gone that you even pretend like God's cool with it? Anybody ever been so far gone that you pretend like God is a part of this plan, but you know he's not a part of this plan? Maybe that's not you. Maybe someone has told you that God has told them to do something, and you're like, that doesn't really settle with me. That doesn't sit well with me. Well, you want to know how you can be 100% sure whether or not it's of God is you need to get to know God for yourself. 
Like, 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 don't just listen to what I'm saying because I said it's from God. No, the best thing you can do is to filter every single thing that I say through your own relationship with God. Because I'll tell you, some, I've heard some people come up and be like, Dustin, I think I should lead worship. Like, well, he hasn't told me that because you can't sing. But, but, but maybe, maybe he wants to use you in worship. But, but, but just because somebody said, the Holy Spirit said, can I encourage you to know the Holy Spirit's voice for yourself? Because Jacob was so far gone that he blamed this plan on God. And Isaac, Isaac said to Jacob, come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him. Listen, to his dad's not fooling, falling for it very easily. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's. My hairy sons, Isaac said, but he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy, just like Esau. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really... My son, I just want to give you a chance to come. I'm, I'm having a hard time with this one. I just want to give you a chance to come clean before I do something I, I can't undo. Are you really my son Esau? Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it and I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. He's still trying to make sure. He's not buying it. He's given, he's given Jacob every chance to just pull the chute on this and to be like, you got me. I, look, it was mom's idea. But, but So then he says, then Isaac said, now my son, bring me the wild game. Come kiss me. Come a little closer verse 27 so Jacob went over and kissed him and when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes he was finally convinced and he blessed his son there and he said ah the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors which the Lord has blessed this this sent Jacob's life into a tailspin as you can imagine Esau was pretty mad Esau comes in from hunting <laughs> likely still weapon in hand and Jacob's like gotta go you know so Jacob takes off because Esau is pretty angry and Jacob's on the run now for the next 21 years he swindled his brother out of everything that matters to him he actually is swindled and, and deceived his father-in-law and his father-in-law over these last 21 years has sent 400 men to go find Jacob because it's time to, the day of reckoning has come and it's all time to just deal with the mess that Jacob has made. And somewhere in the midst of all this, God has been working even in the 21 years, even in the 21 years of exile, which is to say the consequences for the decisions that Jacob made, even in the consequences for the mistakes and the sins that Jacob's made, God has been at work. And we see here, when, Jake, when, when Jacob sent the family away and the possessions away, he was actually going to make amends with his brother Esau. And I can't tell you the story. I wish I had more time because it is a beautiful story of reconciliation. But we're not there yet. We're actually just before the reconciliation. But the reconciliation is basically said to God, okay, I think Jacob's ready to deal with himself. And now we're at the wrestling match. If I could pick up from the wrestling match in verse 25 again. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and he wrenched it out of socket. And then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I wonder before I finish reading, if in that moment Jacob didn't just like, now that we know he's been on the run 21 years. And I wonder when Jacob said, I'm not going to go unless you bless me. I wonder if in that moment, Jacob, just like a wave of re just the heaviness of last time I asked for a blessing, it wrecked my family. 
Last time I came in asking for a blessing, I, I lied to everyone. I, I devised this plan, and me and my brother are at odds. I, when my dad died, we were at odds. I didn't, wasn't even there for the funeral because I was on the run. And, and Jacob says, I'm not leaving unless you bless me. How many of us sometimes the, the tsunami of, of what we've done hits us from time to time? The Facebook memory reminds you that night that you have all those regrets. That, that conversation that you had, maybe they don't know what you're feeling, but the conversation, just all that reminders of what you've done wells to the surface. And I wonder for Jacob when he says, I'm not going unless you bless me. I wonder if in that moment Jacob had to stand there like, man, what the things I will do for a blessing. And then the only question, the only response that God has to him is, is, is saying, what is your name? And I know that when Jacob heard, what is your name? He knew that God was asking him that because the last time he wanted a blessing, he was pretending to be someone that he wasn't and he received the blessing that wasn't his. But this time, Jacob, maybe when he said, I want a blessing, maybe he goes, oh my goodness, the things I'll do for a blessing. And then God says, look, I want to bless you, but I need to bless you on my terms and not yours. So what's your name? And Jacob puts his shoulders back and he kind of looks up, up at God. And he says, my name is Jacob. I'm not real proud of being Jacob right now, but, th- but that's my name. I, wanna, I want you to lean into something just a little bit. If, I, if you were going to catch like 30 seconds of what I came to share with you today, and then you're going to check out, it, it would be this. This is, all, this is all I need you to go home with today. And I had Karen put it on the screens. It's very simply, God cannot bless who you pretend to be. God, God can't bless who you pretend to be. He, he can't even bless who you want to be. He can't bless who you hope to be. He will bless who you are. And some of us are, the, 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 the path to the blessing of God is, the distance is just us being honest with who we really are. I ask you, who are you today? And, and in order for us to really step into God's very best for our life, God's waiting on us to be honest about who we are with Him. I found it interesting When I read this passage, the very next thing, when he put his shoulders back and he said, I am not going to get this wrong again. I I got it wrong last time and it was 21 years on the run. I am not going to get it wrong this time. God, I am Jacob. And then Jacob says, can I ask you your name? And God wouldn't answer. And he said, he he says, my name, my my name is not important. And I asked God this week, I was like, God, why is that? Why is that not important? Knowing you is the most important thing that we can do. And I got to tell you, God's response to me kind of blew my mind. It's, it's like, uh, what, God, what God said is, it's, it's not about, you guys know me, God sa- says to me. You sing about it all the time. You're in a small group. Our relationship breakdown, Dustin, and what I want you to say to the church, Dustin, is the gap in the relationship sometimes isn't you knowing me. You know who I am. The problem is you're not being honest with who you are. And so Jacob, or God said to Jacob, don't worry about who I am. Today, we're working on who you are because you can know me and not be honest with yourself and I still can't do the work I want to do. So Jacob had to decide not to know more about God, but actually to know more about who he was and to say to God, this is who I really am. Not, not really proud of it, but this is who I really am. And I love this. What did, what did God say? Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and you have won. He got a name at one time 
That very literally means heel grabber, one who usurps authority to get something that's not his. And God said, now that you know who you are, I'm going to change your name to Israel. Israel literally means triumphant with God. So just because that God, you, you have to deal with who you are today, all you're doing today is acknowledging who you are. And then God says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is in Christ, he is a brand new creation. Old things are gone. Now it's time to start doing the brand new thing that I've always wanted to do. Yeah, you might be liar. You might be greedy. You might be cheater. You might be gossip. You might be any of these things. And God says, now that you're honest about it, let me change your name to be who I've always wanted you to be. I'll tell you that the, the exclamation mark on this for me was actually found in the New Testament in the Gospel of, of Matthew. And in the Gospel of Matthew, I put it up here in the message. I want to read it to you. It's Jesus replied, yes, in chapter 19, verse 28 and through 30. I want, I want, you can read what the question was earlier today. The, the, the answer is what matters to me. Yes, you have followed me. In the recreation of the world, when the Son of Man will rule gloriously, you who have followed me will also rule. Do you mind reading this with me? Starting with the 12 tribes of Israel. Let, let me read it again. And read, when we get there, read it with me. Jesus replied, yes, you have followed me. In the recreation of the world, when the Son of Man will rule gloriously, you who have followed me will also rule. Read this with me. Starting with the 12 tribes of Israel. Just, just keep, keep that up there, Karen. I don't know if you, if you know much about his, the, his history of God's people and the people of Israel, but, but Israel, when you read the Old Testament, it's, it's just chocked full of the promises that God has for his people. Like we, we even did Advent and I enjoyed the, the discipline of Advent and learning the promises that God had for his people, the people of Israel, the one whose name was just changed. To, so, so the 12 tribes were launched by 12 sons. And each son had a tribe that became the people of Israel, God's chosen people. I wonder if you might be able to guess who the daddy was of the sons that were the 12 tribes of Israel. Do you know who it was? His name was Jacob. Well, his name was Jacob, but God changed his name to be Israel. And Jesus is saying, as the gospel narrative is being built and launched, Jesus is saying, the work that I'm here to do, the work that Jesus says, the work that I'm here to be a part of, this recreation, this gospel narrative, Jesus says, it started with a man named Jacob who decided to be honest about who he was. And then I changed everything with him. And Jesus says, I'm just building on the moon that Jacob became true to himself. And then he goes on to say this, listen, and not only you, but anyone who sacrifices home, family, fields, whatever, because of me, you'll get it back a hundred times over. I wish I could preach a message that you can't outgive God, but I'll just leave that there and you can, you can take that for what it's worth. Not to mention the considerable, check out this bonus, the considerable bonus of eternal life. That's a heck of a bonus. Like my wife gets 10% of her income for her bonus. We get eternal life. You need to talk to somebody, see if you can't up that in the light of this bonus. But, but this is the say it. This is the great. No, no, I mean, I'll start from the beginning if you want me to. Read it. Read it with me. This is the. This is the great reversal. Thank you. I appreciate you. What Jesus is saying here is the fulfillment of the prophecy that God gave Rebecca. The great reversal 
God is building on the promise that, that, that he gave Rebecca. And then Jacob messed up a lot of stuff. And, but see, what God is building, Jesus is saying, I want you to know that the second place people have the ability to be first because I'm the one who gives them a new story when they're honest about their current story. See, see what, what Jesus is saying, there's a whole lot of people who don't feel like they're first. They, they don't feel like they're qualified. They don't feel like they belong. There's got to be someone else who could do it better. In fact, Esau was by culture supposed to be the one that was the firstborn. And God said, I'm going to do something that is the great reversal. So that way the people that always just seem to be coming in last. God says, that's the people I want to use. But before I can use them, I just got to have them be honest with themselves. And being honest with Jacob's self is the beginning of a narrative that Jesus built on. I wonder, what, I wonder what lineage, what legacy that God wants to do in me and you that could begin because we just start to be honest about where we are. Trusting a God that when you say that, God, I am this. Trusting that, that, that the next words out of God's heart for you is, thank you for being honest. That's not who I'm going to keep you. I love you exactly the way you are, but I love you way too much to leave you just the way I found you. As the band comes out, we're going to head back to that song, same, same God. And the hope that we have this morning, the hope that we have this morning, and what I came to ask you to consider today, is how much time are you and I going to waste in exile, running from who we are, trying to keep up who we hope to be, hoping that no one knows what we struggle with or what we deal with, and I'm not even asking you this morning to do that with anybody. You don't even have to say that out loud to anybody in this room. If you, if you want to, our prayer partners will be here. And I'm going to just be right. I'm going to be probably in that front row right there. So if, if you want to talk to somebody, I'll, I'd love to pray with you. But the invitation today, you don't even have to say it out loud to anybody. But I hope that the question that I asked and that I started with is, who are you? It's not about giving your name. It's about... Just you and God, just being honest and saying, God, I know you already know this about me. But I just want to say it, that there's parts of me that I'm not real proud of. Jacob, his name meant swindler, heel grabber, reaching around. And Jacob says, there's, there's parts of me that I'm not real proud of. And I've always tried to, to avoid those things, but I know that, that you know. And, and today, this, I believe the Spirit of God is saying to you, like he said to me all week long, who are you? And he doesn't want who you hope to be, or you wish you were, who people think you are. He would love it if you just say, God, you know this already, but I just want to say this is where I am. And we, I want to watch what you can do and what you can build on and how you can change my identity through Jesus Christ. Can we stand up together? If you're able to stand, cool. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I believe with every ounce of my heart that God wants to do something in you today. I, that's not a preacher thing I say just to try to make you feel good. I believe with every ounce of me that this word is as much for you as it is, was for Jacob. And I hope that the God of Jacob that wants to keep his promises in the life of Jacob, he wants to keep his promises for you. And let's, let's, deal, let's, do, let's deal honestly with God today. Our prayer partners will be available. I'm going to say a prayer just to seal this and we're going to sing. Father, God, I want to just in advance on behalf of all of my friends, I just thank you so, so much that the question, who are you? 
God, the question isn't to, to dish out consequences and, and it's not to dish out judgment, or condemnation, Father. It's an invitation to have our identity changed. And we, we, I shared 2 Corinthians that when, uh, there's when, when we come to you, we, we enter a relationship with Jesus, the old things of who we are, the things that we used to be, God. And Anthony, again, just what a beautiful, what a beautiful thought for the communion and offering time, God. But you, you just want us to come exactly the way we are. And when we answer, you don't want to dish out judgment. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. God, you actually just want to start to say, I can work with that. I can't bless who you pretend to be. I can't bless who you want to be, but I can bless who you are. And Father, this room could be full of a whole bunch of stinking blessings because that's what you want. I've read your word. The same God who blessed Jacob wants to bless every single heart and life in this room. But I do believe with every ounce of me that what you hope for today is some folks who will be honest with who they are so that you can bless us exactly where we are. God, I pray that you would do that. We seal it all in the powerful, life-changing name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing together. Thanks for joining us this week on Life with Impact. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Life with Impact. And to watch the full virtual service, make sure to check us out on YouTube at Impact CC. Have a great week.